the voice of Master Chief, Spartan 117. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment oh my Podcast. <laughs> Anthony and Skyler. It's like a supernova. Master Chief, out. <laughs> Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. I'm Skylar Sokol. And I'm Anthony Nicolosi. And today we will be talking about how you make every single person who plays your game happy all at the same time. A secret that game developers have been trying to answer for decades. Yep. (laughs) And have definitely not that answer <laughs> but we have the answer for you today at least i'm pretty sure anthony does i'm sure he'll but he has he has the full answer for you yeah we'll convince you we know how to solve this problem yep, yep. um yep also uh i think we gotta even though we don't normally do this call out the 11 month sub from evan coulter music because that's a long sub and we're alive on twitch so if you want to sub to us at the beginning of the podcast so we call out your name right at the beginning like some f- five dollar shout out i guess then feel free to come to <laughs> twitch.tv slash underscore ent and watch the podcast we stream these every monday at 8 30 p.m eastern and you so better fucking be there next week when we have celia honan oh my god x you x ux director at epic games previous work on and lead ux positions for assassin's creed rainbow six all kinds of games that you've heard about it's amazing it's unbelievable. We are going to be so outclassed from an intelligent perspective. It's it's a it's uh ill. You should just come. She, Celia's got plans to ask us questions. Yeah, come watch. She's us. gonna ask us Fake questions about our development process and our UX process. Things that we've probably never said publicly about some of the ways we're approaching the game will be said next week. So. Yeah, um, in our the way we've approached developing Gora is heavily influenced by some of her talks and probably most of all her book, The Gamer's Brain, um, how neuroscience plays into game design and and te- and yeah. UX, whatever. It's fu- it's fucking phenomenal. So, so excited to talk to her. Got to be here next week. Check the that 13th. out next week. We'll be right. here live on Twitch. So, Anthony, you were s- spurred onto this topic because... As usual, to- your best friends in the Halo community yes. are enraged. That fucking Halo community that I'm part of, okay? I'm not shitting on the Halo community from an external perspective. I'm part of it. I'm part of the problem. We are such huge bitchers, man. We're always complaining about the big man in green and his intellectual property and how Sprint shouldn't be in it, how Sprint should be in it, all kinds of stuff. One thing worth noting right here is recently Halo Infinite. Not, oh, first of all, Halo Infinite's coming out this year. It turns out they actually did say it's coming out December 8th. and Not uh, delayed. No n- more not delays. Delayed. Things have been delayed. And that's maybe a subsequent, like, elements of the game. And that's maybe its own conversation at yeah. some point. Um, but maybe touches into this a little bit. Have been delayed. Halo Infinite's coming out. And there were flights, Right. I was one of the lucky people who got to play it. Um, quite frankly, for the Halo community being so divided, um, it, it was received pretty well, but there were still some things that the community was a little divided on and some people who were external to what I would consider the like day-in, day-out Halo community 
also had strong opinions on because the Infinite Flight actually had strong impressions on people who don't usually play a lot of Halo, which is good for Halo, um, but is an interesting problem to grapple with if you're 343, the premise of this podcast. How do you balance the desires of your hardcore fans, especially, this is really mostly, I think, within the context of an, an established game. Like, yeah. the game would have had to at least have come out for this right. to be a problem, right? Um, and the general gaming public. Yeah, so um, I think, for me, there's two really interesting sides to this. There's the side of single-player, like, narrative experiences and the, and the question there, and then the question for competitive multiplayer experiences right and i feel like right. those are sort of two separate separate sides we should maybe look at so yeah well and and to paint the picture maybe to start halo ha is a two decade old intellectual yep. property right it's the first game came out in 2001 um the gameplay was most consistent between the first three games that came out but has always fluctuated a bit between releases yep. and so generally speaking the way i would say um things the, the division in the halo community kind of comes about um since we're sort of using it as a reference for the discussion is there's people who sort of prefer the old way things were um whether that's from a mechanics perspective like you're saying in a multiplayer sort of maybe more multiplayer focused kind of argument like the mechanics and the sandbox design around those mechanics or how those mechanics you know affected that the vehicles whatever and then there's the people who prefer the new way, which is more modernized, um, has, yeah, uh, the, the, I think right. that'd be the simple way of put, putting it. From the campaign, it's a little different. The campaign is, the way I would describe it, is there's people who maybe liked the original trilogies, Bungie's style of storytelling better than 343's, where Bungie was more like the... Um, what's it called? Voiceless protagonist, chief's a shell. He's a vessel for you to experience the world. And in three, four, three games, he's much more of an actual character, right? right. Like, yeah. So, so, and that's just one game's example of this, like this, this dichotomy, yep. which shows up in almost every game that is even well established, or even games that aren't, right? Just popular games that are then being balanced later. Uh, right. by the developers from a multiplayer perspective, right? This happens all the time. Valorant being an example of a new game that's come out that people are constantly having discussions about whether whether these multiplayer games should be balanced for the competitive community, like the, the pro level, or should they be balanced for the casual player? This is a huge problem in fighting games as well. A huge discussion. And very recently, you had the Apex Legend tap strafing issue in which players, especially on PC and uh on pc uh -huh. could tap strafe i think the way most people did this was with the the scroll wheel where basically you could change the angles of your movement really uh, effectively really sharply right. and uh respawn patched it out um yeah that was met with you know divisive reception to some extent but it's yeah. similar to a past discussion we've had on things like bunny hopping and whether these like tribal quote unquote mechanics or mechanics that started out sort of as exploits in the game, but the community has adopted should be left there or should they be taken care of by the developers? And if so, what's the process? But for now, let's let, let's just get to the, to the more broad question. Like what, what Who are should the, you listen to? Yeah. What are the considerations for which part you listen to? I mean, one obvious one that comes to my head, like, genuinely is like of course appealing to new audiences is valuable for your business right bringing new mm -hmm. people in always going to be beneficial because let's face it the old fans are going to buy the game no matter what 
Well, that's part of it, for right? Sure. Like, yep. like the old Halo fans, as much as they complain, they're buying Halo Infinite. Like, yeah, right. And uh, Joe Joe Belisek, who came on almost ten episodes ago now, um, Blizzard producer said they have data that shows that, right? Right. Like we can track a player going onto Reddit and bitching their fucking heart out, but then they buy everything. Yeah, I, I so, forgot he did. Know? He did make a direct comment about that. Yeah, where he was like, yeah, that's just that's just how it is. And so yep. we try and ignore those kinds of things and just focus on like our metrics in game for what people mm-hmm. enjoy is what he said. And that's a that's a really interesting point, right? Like you always are going to get the loud minority on the on the Internet when it comes to like opinions right. on games, right? Like. Because the people who are satisfied are not going to say anything. The people who are just like comfortable, they have no reason to say anything. And not only that, if the that vocal minority seems big, like the whole community is rioting about this in the grand scheme of things, especially when you have these bigger games with literally like millions of active players. Right. Um, what's really the re- like percentage, the relative percentage of that vocal minority amongst the gr- the larger right. group? Tons of those players maybe don't even know what Reddit is, right? Like, uh, right. Like, I no, find I this mean, all the sure. time where I like play, I'm playing like competitive fighting games or some game, and I talk to someone at Rocket League, and I'm like, yeah, you saw like the subreddit or the Discord or whatever, and saw all this cool shit, right? And they're like, what do you, what are you talking about? I just play yeah. the game, like, or what's Twitch? Uh, right, that one is the one that comes up right. the most to me. Like, right. you saw that streamer say that, that big streamer said all this stuff. They're like, what's Twitch? Like, <laughs> right. They're like, I'm just playing the game. Why would I watch anything like about it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, that's so, really interesting. So, yeah. So who do you think? What do you think? What's why would you listen to the old community rather than the new community? Because there seems to be right now a good, good amount of information saying we should just listen, listen to the new people, listen to the metrics, listen to what gets us the most business. This is like such a nuanced problem, right? As often these things are like the because to your point, when you were saying the the new community is w- when you look at your dedicated fan base, they're going to be a and you if you had which like bigger companies like Microsoft have the data to look at like, OK, what is what's the size of the demographic that we think is going to very likely be interested in this game? Right. So if it's a game like Halo, OK, that includes maybe Call of Duty players, Battlefield players might get thrown into there, whatever. Then how much what's our like current active user count um right playing halo right now and you're definitely going to see the relative percentage of the potentially interested demographics always going to be so much smaller right for your dedicated fan base now there's an there's a wrinkle here so that so meaning the the data from that perspective might imply yeah we should reach out we should maybe exclusively focus our efforts on that wider audience but especially in, with the rise of social media and the influence that influencers have on the internet perception of the game that affects reviews, which largely affect uh, uh, sometimes have even impacts on like whether people get raises at some of these companies, right? right. Like do we meta- get a Metacritic score of something, whatever um, you might, if you may, if you put something out that your entire dedicated fan base hates, that's going to get a lot of negative momentum on social media. Yeah. Um, now, the what, dedicated fan base are definitely the loud ones. Well, like for sure, they're going to be the loudest ones, even if you there's make tons of new fans. And there's some value in having them. I, I think there's significant value in having them be positive about your game. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, Especially if, if pre-release. 
that's true, especially pre-release. Um, that being said, uh, again, the last big Halo that came out was 2015 from a shooter perspective. Right. Every Halo has consecutively sold way more than the last one. Even though I would say since, especially since Halo 4, when 343 took over 2012, the community is like always fucking so divided every release, you know? Mm-hmm. The Infinite right now, quite frankly, since 2012, when I really started like tracking the maybe social perception of the community for the games, like is, uh, it, it's, it's the most unified I've seen the community for in a long time on almost all fronts. So we'll see if it, you know how that shakes out and it's going to be free to play. So those metrics of sales and stuff right, are going to get right. so fucked Things in that regard. Very confusing in that sense. But just to back up, even though the community has been divided and if you go to the, so if you go on YouTube and you look at all of the halo videos that came out around the 2015 timeframe, when halo five came out, some of the biggest YouTubers, not some, the biggest halo YouTubers right now with some of the millions of subs, who came from nothing when Halo 5 started are built off of the negativity they vocalized, you know? Right. They, they were just like, Halo 5 sucked. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Blah, 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 blah. And they drew huge followings because the community really, um, really resonated with what they were saying. Yeah. So it's interesting. Now, I, again, just to throw another Halo wrench in here, there are, there are reports that a Halo 6 was actually pretty significantly into development plan for release 2018 it was two halo five ish and they they scrapped it interesting focus on infinite right so So, now granted that doesn't necessarily mean they're listening to the dedicated fans it could be based on their sales metrics or like that oh the reception focus groups they use but still that is really interesting fact right they could have actually made a major pivot just based on community response which i think is what you should do right as we'll talk next week i'm sure with celia hoden like People's reactions and how they approach and experience your game matters so much more than how you think they're going to. Right. right? So well, like, and then how do you balance that so from a creative standpoint, especially if you're in these AAA studios that are trying to attract top talent, top, top design talent, top, whatever talent, if you make the same shit every time, Creative talent, I don't think, is going to be super excited about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I was a Halo fan, which I am, and worked at 343, maybe I wouldn't care because I'm just like, fuck, well, it's maybe amazing that's I'm like the Call Halo. of Duty Because that's what comes to my mind immediately is Call of Duty, right? And I probably the people who are already there love Call of Duty. They don't care. Like, they're excited to make a Call of Duty no matter or what. Or they're just burning out a bunch of fucking young guys Could and be. rotating them through, Could be. you know? Based on our um, recent knowledge is about Activision Blizzard, I, there will be nothing that will surprise me coming from those companies ever again, so... Right. <laughs> uh, just to say that if you... You, you've got to push the envelope somehow to get your talent in-house, like, invested and excited about the thing they're making, right? You, I you think, would think so. Yeah. Um, one day when we can get, uh, maybe like Mr. Will Waltz on, or, you know, some, some other of our triple A friend, I like Joe backed that up a little bit, right? He was, ta- he was saying there's, he finds some amount of, we asked him how important it was to be excited about the IP that you, this is again, Joe Belisek, the one we episode 77, if you're interested, how excited it was for you to be excited about the IP you're working on. And he said that definitely played an amount like how. Uh, in his excitedness excitement towards working on some projects, but that he personally also found excitement from like just the execution of his task, right. Being a good producer and stuff. So 
Yeah. Um, right. Maybe they're finding fulfillment just in what they're doing, even if the overall experience isn't like super cutting edge or innovative or pushing the envelope in some way. Right. But okay. Um, so like, let's talk, let's talk a multiplayer a bit here. Cause I think that's really interesting, right? Like this whole balancing issue, because the, the pros playing your game, the people playing your game at the top level represent an extremely small percentage of your community. Right. But they are the people playing your game the most by far. Mm -hmm. Right. So their opinion. And a lot of times they get a lot of the same social media. A hundred percent. Yes. They have a lot of attention on them. So their opinions definitely matter. Right. Like if they are upset about a balance change that it will resonate through the community, even if that balance change benefits some bronze player, they might still think that it's a bad change and not even like be able to perceive that it benefits them because of this response from the pro scene. Right. So I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of balancing for the like pro scene. Um, unless there's something that it's like literally making the game unfun for casual players. Um, <laughs> Like in Dota, for yeah, example, sorry, there's yeah. been a lot of issues like this where there's been a Dota hero that's about ba- that like it's balanced in such a way where at the and they have you, all this data is available through through like different Dota websites through the Valve API. You can actually see like all this data about the win rates of individual heroes at different ranked brackets. And there are heroes where their win rates are like enormously like 70 percent in like the low bracket, but then like 40 or 45%, 40% like normal win rates at the top level. And I think situations like that, if you can find ways to balance those heroes that don't affect their positioning, their win rate positioning at the high levels, but do affect them at the low levels because clearly some strategy is working at the low levels that isn't working at the high levels, that's the kind of balance change I think you could make for casual players. But in general, I feel like when you're balancing, you should be balancing for the people playing the game most competitively because they're the ones who care the most about the balance. Well, and that problem specifically with Dota sounds weird, right? Because I would imagine, I'm not a MOBA guy, but that there's a design intent to almost sort of graduate a player from one hero to the next. Like, uh, you're not trying necessarily. to move them. The, not necessarily. Really, like, those games approach, like, are fine with a mastery path of one hero for your entire play. They're all pretty vibe. Well, just because the data yes. is sort of the one that you just said sort of would seem to indicate that some are more viable. That's just for, on a levels. balance patch to balance patch basis is all. It, okay. And, and those okay. numbers shift so it, entirely. Yeah. So the design is every player, every hero should be viable, be viable within their unique role all yes. the way up through the mastery. Yes. Path. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. That's, I mean that first of all, one thing that's just like should be said is this is a fucking hard problem. Even Insane. if <laughs> even if you knew which way you wanted to go, saying yes. like, yes, we are balancing for esports pros. That's yeah. such a fucking yeah. hard problem. Then you're like, problem. okay, so how do we do that? We change this number by three and suddenly like the game is balanced and you're like, huh? Yeah, you know the fucking ramifications? Oh, shit. Well, all of a sudden, by pushing this value by three, when you start equipping the like the, the one item, item right. meta, like fucks it at some state right. that you didn't think. Or even in Valorant, a way simpler game. Like, it's always so interesting to me when I see like, oh, we changed the cooldown of this hero's ability by 0.2 seconds. Right. And it's like, how did you come to that number? And like, in what ways do you really feel like, like it's just really interesting. And... I don't know. I feel like when the changes are that specific and that nuanced, you have to have a philosophy and that philosophy should be balancing for competitive play. So 
Halo Infinite just did this flight. Uh huh. And um, three four three just put out a blog post last week where they went through at a, at some of the highlights, high level um, info. Because if not, it'd just like literally be way too much data. But they would go through like, okay, let regarding the UI. Here are some positives we got out of our feedback from mm-hmm. the flight. Here's some feedback, like negative feedback we got out of our flight. Here's what the teams thinks of that feedback and here's what we're acting on if we're acting on it right yep. one for example one thing that came out of it was three fourths in in the flight there was a basically radar implementation that was more or less like you only showed up on radar when sprinting or right. doing me some special that. stuff right mm-hmm. in halo 5 this was used and actually in my opinion to great effect i think it was the best version of the halo 5 radar but for whatever reason maybe it's the fact that the since the extra mechanics, mobility mechanics have been neutered so hard in infinite, sprint is like eight percent faster than base right. walking speed or something. It just felt weird, right? So because the, the risk reward of sprint wasn't as high, so it, it so it, it ended up that the radar felt, wasn't used as much because people just weren't sprinting. Because why would you when you can just walk and basically have the same effect? It felt useless. The radar felt useless is the uh, way I would describe it. Because no one it. felt it, the need to sprint, right? Like basically. Probably, probably, yeah. you know. Um, and maybe this is a thing that changes in the meta two years from now when everyone's fucking figured out that when you sprint, because there was a thing in Infinite that apparently was intentional where it's like sprint is really a slide activator is really mm. what it's most in Infinite. And there's uh, these like drop slides you can do similar to like apex it's a little more you know fucking halo janky <laughs> sure but um uh that i felt like was more the intention and so when everyone's figured that out in a year right they might reintroduce this radar it's hard to say but did they say when they're they gonna s- take it out so they said they're going to return to the classic style of radar for the next flight and see everybody's feedback, which was generally what I saw and what I also felt was like the thing, at least the next thing to try, right? So Alexander Battaglia, I'm going to unfairly sort of pick on him. He is, um, I, I was going to call him, Ray Tra- his, his Twitter profile reads, Ray Tracing Radical Turok Technophile Cult. Crisis cultist, motion blur menace, and content creator for Digital Foundry. He often okay. breaks down like the graphical pipelines and stuff for okay. all his content's fucking amazing for Digital Foundry, right? Um, he tweeted 343 going back to classic radar for Halo is such a bad move for my fun and the fun of countless newcomer players. The only people who want the old one, in parentheses, which uh, completely negates interesting surprises and stealth, in his opinion, the old version of the yep. radar are such a vocal yet small group of conservative purists. I wish these people would just play Halo 3 or 2 on MCC oh. for fuck's sake instead of once again deciding the core no direction. Um, the game that wants... The game they want to change Halo Infinite into already exists. Let the game involve in smart and fun ways. Damn, Damn it. Damn. <laughs> Wait, so can you give so, us a rundown of what the classic radar is just so that we know? The classic radar is basically... Any moving and shooting, you're on the radar. You're just if you're moving the, the, or shooting. So the only way you're not shooting. on the radar is if you're standing still, not shooting, or crouched. So if you are crouched and moving? and you are crouching and moving, you're always invisible, even if you're shooting. I think you. Might, I don't know if you blip. That might change between halos. Like if you shoot, you blip. Right. Okay. But definitely crouching and moving would still be a thing, even on the classic radar. It's Correct. just you can't and stand you're and move, which you were able to do 
in, Correct. Uh, in this one. I see. So, um, right, in the, in, right, in the recent Halo Infinite flight, not only could you crouch and crouch move, um, which is a thing in certain like strats, especially like when you're trying to get your shields down, you might want to crouch. Right. So like you don't show up on radar, but um, you could also move at base speed, which again was very close to sprint speed in right. the infinite flight. So, um, well, he has a strong opinion. It seems <laughs> he does. And that, so this is like that conversation. Who do you listen to? If, if, Alexander is representative of some some percentage of the external newcomer yeah. not always playing Halo. Who do you listen to? The in this case, I think their their confidence must come down to they the people they um they had uh, hundreds of thousands of people get um, surveyed and stuff surveyed as part of the insider program. I think they actually said there was over a million people who had registered for the insider program. I think it came down to around a hundred thousand people who got in the flight. Uh Um, They must feel strong and not everybody from the flight got asked questions. Okay. So they somehow must have metrics that make them feel that at least, how can I say back up the direction they want to design for, right? So they must say like, we want to listen to these people and we're confident that, this this sample size that we chose to get feedback from from the flight represents those people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now they want to. And I mean, granted, they do have the liberty, right, of having the game not out yet. So they have the opportunity to do like this sort of A-B testing. Right. Which is very right. valuable. Like it right. may be could, that but, overall right. they're leaning towards like the new radar is the best thing. And they're pretty confident in that. But in order to like show that to the community or maybe like be proven wrong because like it is possible they would want to do this like a B testing kind of scenario. Cause I'm sure they've done both in the past, right? They probably made this decision with like that consideration in mind originally. And they have, they have a pro team. So these are X halo pros who right. it's about a team of like eight of them who are in the, in the design on the design team, providing feedback on this right. stuff. You know, they fucking like tested all these variants, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I that's uh, infinite. Uh, just based off of the flight feedback, not just my own personal opinion. Based off some of the content creators who played it and stuff, who had such strong positive feelings about the flight, they seem to have somehow come up with a base foundation that is fun to both normal Halo players and, or at least is is alleviating the biggest problems maybe they had with the the others the uh, the changes that have gone on during recent times and introduced a lot of modern things that make other people interested i'm not sure you know yeah they seem to have done a pretty solid job on that so these kinds of extreme ends like there's another one here's an here's another thing halo yeah. has a gravity hammer right yep. in the previous halo games the gravity hammer had a faster swing than it does in infinite, which on one hand made it kind of similar to the sword in the sandbox. They had like similar kill times, right? Um, sword had maybe a little bit of more of a range, whatever, but one unique aspect of the, the infinite, I'm sorry, the post, the pre infinite brute hammer was that it had physics ability, right? Like you could hit it and like kind of get propelled right. a little bit. Right. Right. So in infinite, it doesn't have the physics ability, Okay. And it's a way slower swing. 
Huh. And so people, but it has a bigger blast radius. So okay. it's more uniquely diversified, in my opinion, from the sword. They have now like much more prominent strengths and weaknesses. But so like the 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 external people, I think, are more like, oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a compelling differentiator. That's there, what it sounds right? like to me based on you explaining it for sure. And then the Halo community is like fuck, I wish I had the physics back and the swings kind of like, it's too slow. And this is one where 343 said the feedback was divided and for now they're not going to change anything. Interesting. So anyway, like the the the, the conversation today, I think was, um, I think highlights to me and thinking about this and just, you know, observing these kinds of things over the years, especially like I said, within the, being part of the Halo community, like I think that that the thing that you're really striving for as a development studio is balance. Somehow balancing the two concerns, um, you want. I think I think that's the way to go. Uh, maybe you can um, think of some. May, I don't know if you think Dota, for example, is an example of like they just don't give two shits about the newcomer. It's all hardcore. Um, I mean, I'm in the boat of, you know, if you have metrics that you can use to gauge what you're doing, you should use those, plus this survey feedback. I think 343 is doing it right here. It seems like they're not really focusing on what the, like, random content creators are saying. They're focusing on the, the hard feedback from the people who actually played the game and probably metrics they collected. And if that's the way they're making their decisions, I think they'll be in good shape. Right. You know? So, yeah, I, I think... We got a doozy of a quality time question. So you ready to move on to it? Yep. All yeah, right. I think I, the last thing I would say is if you're listening to this podcast and you have some thoughts around this, join our Discord. Uh, yeah. You can find a link to it at kokoalaentertainment.com and talk to us about it. We'd love to hear what you have to think. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you want to answer both of these questions from Marcus the OK, our <laughs> editor, who is also <laughs> a patron. So the money we pay him for some... editing just goes straight back to us. Uh, don't Don't tell the government. Um, oh, I don't think Anthony meant to leave, but he left anyway. I can I clicked I clicked on the wrong. Uh, <laughs> By the way, I definitely I didn't click start on my recording. Spoilers, so we're gonna use VOD audio <laughs> for this one. Uh, okay, all right, no problem. So I I will start with Marcus's first question, see how long it takes, and then we can either save a second one for later because uh, I think they're both very good, interesting questions. Yeah, I think what so, work. Do you guys see ahead of you after Agora is released? Um, obviously, you need to keep up the content creation, but with game creation more or less finished, what game-related work do you think? Do you guys think you'll have? I'll let one you thing start I want this one out immediately off the bat, like give Mike Marcus some props on, is that he's treating content creation as a first and foremost priority anthony like, anthony you know. will be happy about that one he, he i mean i'm not gonna say anthony loves making content but he's definitely good at it no i <laughs> think our i think our i think content creation i think putting out content regularly is going to over the course of time be just as important as putting out good games i guess is so let me put it that way anyway backing up what work do you guys see ahead of you after gore's published so the way that marcus asked this i think I would say well, he's his, like game related work. Yeah, I think the way his whole question is worded is as if he from his perspective Agora's published and game related work uh, is seemingly over and you're just doing content creation, what else are you doing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So 
Well, what game related work do you, will we be doing? Yeah. Or, or, or yeah, it's as almost as if he thinks there will not be any. <laughs> right. Maybe, right. Right. So like that, that's a possibility. Yeah. And I guess for Agora, the game we will release, um, barring some sort of major bug or like issue with the game. I think in general, most of the work on that specific product will likely be done. I don't know how you feel, but I think that's probably true from a DLC or not perspective. Is that kind of, I mean, unless, oh, well, I think there's a possibility for DLC, but we would probably wait to see how it's received before we made a decision like that immediately. Yeah. I would say the way I would word it right now, we are, we do not have any plans to withhold content for DLC from the Agora launch. Agora will be launching with all the goodness right. content we can muster right. and any like DLC content would be something we chose to Fresh develop off the presses. after the fact. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, exactly. Release. So actually what we would want to start working on right after would be hopefully the An Agora sequel, yep, the Agora sequel yes. and this, that all any follow-ups to Agora, any additional games in the Agora universe have been a long time coming. They have been in our discussions since the very beginning of Anthony and my first discussions about the game and especially the narrative of the game. So, yeah. And there's, especially because Marcus answered this and, and, and so we're talking about it now, there's going to be some good content on the Patreon uh, in this week talking about this sort of the reality of, how we originally envisioned this project. So we started, we technically started the company March, 2018. Yep. And I'll like, I'll say as an intro to all of those details, like we originally scoped or tried to scope Agora to be about a year's worth of effort from what we understood it at the time. <laughs> that was a smart decision we made there. Yeah. And for a whole breakdown on why uh, here we are in 221, 2021 and there's no Agora release. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be giving the patrons yeah. the deets, but yeah, gen- to but don't worry, it's Marcus's a good thing question. that there's no release because the game is way better now than it ever has been. I'm I'm like so impressed with how good the game is now compared to when we first. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really excited uh, uh, to to talk to show more about the gameplay mm-hmm. and then to have people actually play it. Celia is going to be on here um next week and what i i have gut feeling that you're going to get people are going to get a lot more info about um about the development reality behind agora based off of the questions she's going to ask and conversation conversations we're going to say we've already talked about it before we've had multiple play tests already good good i cannot imagine what agora would have been eventually whenever it was released if we did not have the play test that ux process in place so, yeah. Marcus, our plans after our Agora is published is to begin work on an Agora sequel. Agora 2, whatever the name Ag- ends up being. Yeah. Probably not Agora um, 2, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yes, uh yeah, probably probably not Agora 2, but honestly if we get if we partner with a good publisher, they're probably going to advocate hard for you have an established momentum and mind share behind Agora. Throw right. a 2 on I there. I mean, we could or do maybe Agora like, 2 with a subtitle like that's right, fine. a subtitle. Yes. Um, but yeah, yes. and honestly like the big reality, right? And you, Marcus alludes to this in a second question, but I think we'll get to that in a future podcast, but if the game does well enough for us to go full time we're really excited to go whole hog on agora 2 and give it a much shorter release window hopefully than this game get it out so that we can continue supporting the studio and growing it and continue working full time 
Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say on Marcus's question? Or are you good? No, nope, I All think right. that's good. Looking at Master Chief's question in the chat real quick. Will you guys ever make a horror game? I love horror games, Master Chief. I am a huge fan of them, and I would love to make some sort of horror-like game at some point. I think it's a really interesting design problem to try and create environments that are like effective enough to actually induce horror in people. Like That's a hard thing to do. That would be a really interesting problem to try and solve. So I don't think we're I don't think we're I don't think we're against making any genre of game, honestly. Like No, and, we're not. And, well, and in uh, the yeah, future wanted... we'd love to like game jam out like random games all the time once we if once we're working full time, I think you can expect to see like maybe after a weekend sometime we're just like, hey, here's a random project we made this weekend that people can try. Oh, and oh look, it's a horror game. Yeah, I mean Master Chief, there's there we had uh I had strongly, strongly considered like doing a content series where I basically make a game with the community. But the reality is <laughs> with the limited amount shit, yeah. of hours I have towards putting towards content already, um, that just cut way too much into like, if I'm going to be spending this much time on a game dev, it's going to have to be something we actually release or something you know right so um and the other reality is that the reason why you didn't originally already see agora gameplay or whatever i mean and this this general strategy might change over time um the reason why like for example we don't take you on a journey as we develop agora we don't show you while we're making it and all this stuff is we feel really strongly about agora's gameplay that it's really fun and we think the strong, the best way of marketing that is with like a tight, aggressive, short marketing tons cycle. of yeah, short marketing cycle that's centered around showcasing the gameplay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, know that, know that, yeah, know that horror games are definitely on the table. Fucking rhythm games. Yeah, uh, we, we there's a hundred percent chance Skyler, at some dude, point yeah. we're making a rhythm game. Like I would be interested when we get like good artists like trying an anime fighting game I would like love that to too. Yeah, there's so many cool games we want to try and make. So I'm sure you'll see them in the future. And just so you know, based on what Anthony just said about the Agora marketing, that means the second you start seeing gameplay of Agora coming out, that means the game's probably coming very soon. So yes. that can be a hype moment for you guys once that happens. At least that's the current plan. Right. We, we roll. We've never made a game before, and there's points in the um, in the development cycle, big crucial points that are coming up this year for us yep. um, that heavily um, influence the way we will actually execute the marketing cycle. And who fucking knows, man? Maybe Feb by February of next year, <coughs> on accident, some big publisher – not on accident. Somehow some big publisher partnered with us, and they're like, well, no – we need to be releasing content about this now for eight months. And we're like, whatever, you pay me. I don't <laughs> we're like, if you give us money, you can release our content whenever you want, my dude. <laughs> so, you know, it's all subject to change, but at least that's right now the plan. Yep. Metroidvania game, maybe? Who? Sure. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, where can people find us, Anthony? You can find us at KOKoalaEntertainment.com, which, by the way, enjoy what KOKoala Entertainment oh, looks like right now. Take spoilers. some screenshots. Because it might be getting a facelift here soon. Enjoy uh, the you can cheapest find. website, like from a monthly yeah. cost perspective, was it like maybe ever made. Cents? I, I spent, Anthony was like, let's just pay for a website thing. And I was like, no, I'm going to spend an unreasonable amount of time figuring out how to host this website in a way that costs us like no money. And I will say I did it because it costs eight cents a month, our website. Yes. Eight yes, cents. It did. 
and our new website will probably cost content. like twelve dollars a month, right, or something like that. Yeah, or like that's a, that's an idea 18. of the difference between like how cheap, how legitimately cheap our website is to host. And quite frankly, for the point in the studio's life cycle, it was it was fine, totally appropriate. It's and funny. considering how long and we've also, had the website, like how much money did that you save us? So don't much. even go to the website. <laughs> All of our like thirteen to eighteen year old demographic on Instagram. You know how many of those people click on the website Zero. link in the link tree relative to the other social media it's fucking so tiny yeah, yeah. i get it you guys are all zoomers and websites are boomer things i get it yeah. but yeah on our website kokoalentertainment.com there you find links to all of our social media we're right now you also if you're on instagram you've already seen it if you are uh anywhere you might have already seen this message i suppose following us on social media we're giving away a limited edition it's oh, right here like to turn the lights to daylight uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> If you're oh, listening in audio, Anthony's doing a really bitch. exciting thing right now where Alexa's not anyway. listening to him, but he's showing the controller anyway. Hey, we're giving away this controller right now. Um, it The giveaway runs two weeks. Uh, yeah, but wherever you follow us, check out our link tree. It's got a link right there. It's a Gleam giveaway. There's different ways to enter. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You guys are awesome. We're at, we just had a couple more patrons join this week. It seriously helps our studio so much because we pay for it. Like me, yeah. Skylar, and Josh pay for everything for the studio right now. We don't get money from anywhere else. So any help the patrons give us is it's, it's unbelievable. Appreciated. The, the amount of support we've gotten this year is like is now officially like more than double almost more than like 2.5 times what our goal was for the year. Yeah. So like year. we're yeah. so grateful. Toby wants to be a patron well, and jokes on him. He is <laughs> and banana Lorian with the subscription now immortalized forever in audio in podcast the, form as well. That's true. Yeah. Thanks if for you listening. Support us, thank you for listening. If you support us on Twitch, by the way, you uh, will soon be walking into some rewards. We have that plan to be launching. Originally, we're trying to shoot for by end of September. We'll see if we can pull it off. If not, uh, definitely within this fall. But yes, sub-related rewards exclusive for who sub on Twitch. Exclusive, exclusive physical things. Anthony showed me the other day. They're sick, and you're going to want them. I want them. I yeah, might have things to subscribe we will on mail. Twitch. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, unless you're a patron, you also have access to these things. But yes. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. Bye.